0: Hebrews chapter 12, we have one more Sunday in Hebrews next Sunday, and then it's the Labor Day retreat, so I won't be here. Uh, We're going to finish Hebrews next Sunday. So this has happened to me maybe once before, uh, to the degree that it happened this time. Um, You might remember it. So I start preparing my sermons early in the week. you know i already know way ahead of time what passage i'll be in and then on monday i really start to think about it so we can start thinking about music and um i have the whole week to marinate on it and uh, this friday often unfortunately it spills you know monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday i want to be done friday so i can be free of mind on saturday and friday evening at home but often it spills into saturday night and then sunday morning and you never really feel like you're done preparing your sermon until You've preached it, and even then, you have all kinds of regrets about things you should have said or should have said differently. But this week, uh, I really wanted to be done by the end of my work on Friday because we we're going to be celebrating Elias' birthday, and I just wanted to be able to just be fully present-minded with my family this weekend, and it went great. I had my secret hideaway where I go when I really want to focus, and I went there, and it just went great. And I had it all laid out, and it was a good sermon. I mean, it was really going to be beneficial, I think. Um, and last night, I didn't even look over it. I felt so comfortable with it. I was going to get up this morning and come up here and look over it one last time. And so I came up here this morning expecting to just do my final uh, fat trimming. Yes, I do trim the fat out of my sermons the best I can. You might be surprised at that. There's a lot on the cutting room floor, if you can believe it. Um, and I, I opened up my Bible and I opened up my notes, and I, I prayed first that the Lord would Give me his word for you today. That's always my prayer. That he would make me clear about it and enable me to be clear about it for you guys. And that the Holy Spirit would would do his work. And that that in no way would I be glorified, that God would be glorified, and that he would do heart things for us. And so I prayed that prayer and I actually was standing here to work on it. It may seem weird, but sometimes that helps me. And I opened up my book and I looked at it and I just felt completely numb and cold toward everything I'd planned to say to you guys. Um, I don't know how to describe it any other way than that. I felt nothing for those words. I felt no urgency, um, no passion for those words. It just felt like those were dead words and that I could not come up here and pretend to care about them and talk to you about them. So I'm not going to give you a well-prepared sermon. I'm going to give you the one I feel like God gave to me after that, just this morning. And, uh, Lord willing, I am indeed following the spirit and this will be helpful. Um, I, I have to believe that this is the word that he wants for our people to hear now, today. Okay, and it's nothing complex. It's, it's simple and probably brief. Um, so we'll, we'll see what he's doing. It may just be that there's one of us here that he wants to hear this. or I don't know. Um, but I'd like for us to pray now and I'd like for you to be in this with me. We're kind of real time working this out together this morning. So be in this with me and pray and open yourself up to what the Holy Spirit may be wanting to say to you this morning. Okay, be in this with me and really listen this morning. Really try to hear, am I the one that God was wanting to reach this morning? Am I the reason that God redirected Matt with just like a half hour before he had to be doing other things? Okay, so let's pray together. Father, we are here humbly sitting at your feet, looking up with expectation. I I especially am wondering what you're up to. and Lord, please speak to us. Please be kind and merciful and gentle to us and make your voice and your word heard plainly to us. Or any barriers in our hearts and in our minds and our thinking that would hinder us from receiving your word this morning, please remove them. And may your word go forth and accomplish its purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So I had planned to preach to you pretty much all of Hebrews chapter 12, which was ambitious, but I was going to leave out a big middle section Because I just couldn't do it all And that's the section that I felt like the Lord redirected me to So we're only going to read and study Hebrews chapter 12 Verses 4 through 11 This morning I'm just going to read it And I have just a couple observations to point out to you Hebrews chapter 12 Starting with verse 5 And before we read that verse Remember This book is written to A church, a group of Christians Who had been Growing weary and turning away from their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, they may have been undergoing persecution at the time they received this letter. I, my theory is I don't actually think they were. I think they had gone un, undergone persecution in the past and they had done well. And I think this was a relatively easy time for them and they were starting to get lethargic in their faith. And the le- letter was written to wake them up and get them to hang on to their faith. So verse 5. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God disciplines his children. God disciplines his children. I can remember being with my kids at Concord Mills, and you know that big play area with all the big produce that they can climb on? Have you guys seen this in Concord Mills? It's sort of rubbery, and, it's, you know, so kids can't hurt themselves, and they're corralled in there, and they play. My kids wanted to go in there, and I took them in there, and They played. And, of course, there were dozens of other children in there playing. And many of those kids were just unruly, which, of course, my kids have never been unruly. So this was a foreign thing to me. And many of them were climbing up on the very, very top of one of the tallest things in there. And I can't remember for the life of me what it is. It seems like it's a big banana or a big strawberry or something. Clearly not safe for children to climb to the top of. Clearly not meant for kids to climb to the top of it. All these kids were climbing up there, you know, trying to outdo one another. And of course, my son, Elias, wanted to climb up there and he could have done it, but I wouldn't let him. I said, no, you are not going to climb up there. And he looks at all the other kids climbing up there and he looks at his dad saying no, and he can't make the equation balance. Why are they getting to climb up there and why am I not getting to climb up there? And of course, the answer is I'm not their father. So I'm not going to be correcting them and disciplining them and telling them no, but I'm your father and I discipline my children. So you could tell in a place like that or at a water park or wherever there might be kids, you can tell which children belong to which parents by which children these individual parents are yelling at and telling to stop. Good parents discipline their children. God is the perfect father. He disciplines his children. Period. Plain fact of reality. I'm going to read to you again verses 6 and 7. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Christian. You who, your name actually is Christian, but I just mean you who are a Christian, you who trust and follow Jesus Christ, you who have been changed by Him, given new life, grafted into His body, the church, you are God's child. And He is your Father. You're not just a member of a Christian club with Him as like the president or the CEO, you're His child. Now, you guys who have kids, you know how tender you are toward your children. You know how much you love your children. That's the way God loves you. Okay? You're not his employee. When you slip up in your life, you're not an employee who made a mistake on the work site. You're God's child, his son, his daughter. And God disciplines his sons. That's point number one. Secondly, is the flip side of that coin. If God does not discipline you, you are not God's child. Okay, God says here, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he receives. Everyone. If God does not discipline you, you are not his child. Some of you may have wrestled with assurance of salvation. How do I know if I'm really saved? How do I know if I'm just going through the motions in a Christian culture, in a Christian subculture? How do I know I'm not just a church person who does Christian-y things? Well, here's one really good test. Does God discipline you? Does God discipline you? When is the last time... You felt the firm, loving, the firm hand of God, disciplining, correcting, reproving, chastising you. Because unless you're perfect, which you're not, you have sin and God disciplines his children. Verse eight says, if you are left without discipline, in which all have participated then you are illegitimate children and not sons see jesus taught that the church is full of wheat and tares and we don't know until the end who's who when jesus comes back and does the threshing and separates you know he also uses the sheep and the goats as an illustration another illustration from this passage can be that we're all in here we're all children some are legitimate children of God some are illegitimate children of God and the way to know is does he discipline you You we're all running around in that play place at Concord Mills and God is over there and he picks some of the kids and he says no you're not going to climb to the top of the giant strawberry but others he allows to climb to the top of the giant strawberry because those aren't his children he does not discipline them If you are able to go on in sin without God's intervention, it is probably the most serious red flag that there can be when you're considering your salvation. He doesn't allow his kids to go on indefinitely in sin. He loves us too much. God disciplines his children. If he's not disciplining you, If you can't remember a time that he intervened in that way, it probably means you're not a child of God. Now, how can we know if he is disciplining us or if we're just experiencing some painful consequences of our own actions or if we're just feeling guilty because of our conscience, which everybody has, even non-Christians? Well, this passage doesn't really lay it out for us. It doesn't really say, here's how you know He does this. You know, our kids at school, they had a clear system. It was a a green, yellow, red system. If you're on green, you did great. If you're on yellow, watch your step. Clean up your behavior a little bit. If you're on red, you were bad. You don't get a treasure at the end of the week. God here doesn't give us that much clarity. Here he's generally saying, here generally is how God's discipline works. It starts with pain and it ends with peace starts with pain and it ends with peace. Look at verse 11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. That's how discipline works. That's what parental discipline should be like. And that's certainly what God's discipline is like. Starts with pain, ends with peace a type of peace that could not have been reached without the pain of discipline. Not the peace of distraction or the peace of self-justification or the peace of, of numbing with medications. Real peace that can only come from dealing with the problem. You know, we've all had to go to the dentist. We've all had that, or many of us have had that ache in one of our teeth. It's annoying, kind of hurts if you're chewing it wrong, but you can compensate and chew on the other side of your mouth. But you know it's not going to get better until you just go to the dentist, until you feel the sting of the needle, until you feel the discomfort of his whole hand in there and that drill grinding on your teeth, the smell of whatever that is, your tooth burning under the pressure of that drill. Nobody likes to go, but there is not going to be peace in that tooth until the issue is dealt with. That's how God's discipline works. It Starts with pain. When God, the Father, disciplines you, it hurts. Remember how this passage began. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. It's it's going to be something to endure, not enjoy. It's something that you might be tempted to grow weary of and try to escape instead of accepting it and trusting the Lord and what he's doing. And again, it doesn't say here what it is. It might be that he allows us to experience the painful consequences of our own sins and doesn't rescue us up from it, but lets us just feel the pain of what we've done to ourselves. Sometimes I think he introduces painful circumstances into our lives to expose our sin and deal with it. I think I could prove that biblically and I feel like I've seen it in my own life and in other people's lives. Sometimes I know he just comes in with um, the brute force of just the Holy Spirit's inescapable conviction of sin. Makes you so uncomfortable with that sin that you can't even swallow your food at dinner. Now, I know that one for a fact because I've experienced it. However he does it, it hurts at first, but it will bring peace. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. See, God doesn't punish his children. Do you understand the difference between punishment and discipline? They're not the same thing. Punishment is pain inflicted because you inflicted pain. It's, it's wrath. Discipline is training. That involves pain, but it's love. It's not wrath. Now, what Jesus took on the cross was all the punishment for your sin insofar as you trust and follow him. You will not be punished for your sin as a Christian. That's what the cross was. That's why the cross was such a bloody affair. But you will be disciplined. It's a training, a pruning, a cultivation process. So I'll leave you with a couple of questions. I don't have any brilliant illustrations to bring this all home. The Lord didn't give me that. He just gave me this passage. So what pain are you under right now that might actually be your father's discipline? What sin is in your life right now? Is God trying to discipline you here? And if he's not, if you know you're living in sin, you know you are. Maybe you figured out ways to self-justify, but you know you're living in sin and he's letting you do it. That is a serious problem. If that's your situation, you have to start at the very beginning and come clean with yourself. You're not even a Christian. Because God doesn't let his children do that. Now, if you're wrestling with sin, you've been wrestling with it for a long time. That's not the same thing as being able to go along sinning and justify it and feel comfortable. You know, many of us have struggled with sin for a long time while we're trying to repent. We don't want the sin, but we're weak in our flesh. You know, maybe this is just another step along the way of God's discipline for you. You know, I've, I've lived a lot of my life with sin I could not control. I have journals filled up with me praying, asking for God to deliver me from it. But that is not a portrait of someone who's been allowed to enjoy his sin. That's a portrait of someone who is in a death battle with it. Now that might be you. And I want to encourage you. If you are in the grips of a battle with your sin. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm saying accept the Lord's discipline and keep up the fight. Keep up the fight of faith. Be encouraged. You're his child. He knows what you're going through and he loves you. And he's not going to allow it to go on forever. What peace. What peace. What peaceful fruit of righteousness might God be bringing about in your life right now through whatever pain you're experiencing? What training might he be doing with you right now through whatever pain you may be experiencing? We don't have to escape it. We don't have to medicate it. Sometimes pain isn't something That's just out of God's control and pure evil. Sometimes it's pain that he's allowed into your life on purpose to discipline you. Now I want to clarify again. I'm not saying that all pain in your life is because you sinned. There's a lot of pain that just comes from living in a fallen world where we get sick, where we die, where other people sin against us and we're victims. So not all pain is discipline. But discipline always involves pain, and God disciplines his children. Does that make sense? Okay. Clarifying as I go. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to work this out in our minds and in our hearts. And if I've left anything unclear, please just come and talk to me about it. Usually I like to think through things a little more thoroughly than I got to this time. God disciplines his children. If he's not disciplining you, you're not his child. His discipline begins with pain, but it ends with peace. I'm going to leave you with the bookend verses here for this section. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Lord. Nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. And then down the verses immediately following what we studied. Verses 12 and 13. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. It makes straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Lord, help us to humbly receive it. Please make plain to me, to everybody in here, what, what you mean to say to us through this. Please work out the kinks in what I said today. Anything that is off or confusing, please work that out in all of our minds and in all of our hearts. Lord, may we all be your children. And may we all receive your discipline with gratitude and endure the pain and experience the peaceful fruit of righteousness on the other side. And Lord, if you have any children in here today who have grown hard to their sin through an ongoing attempt to cover it up, to hope that you'll eventually leave them alone, to justify themselves. Painful as it may be, Lord, I pray that you would make your discipline inescapable. I pray that you would do the hard, even violent work of freeing your people from slavery to sin, of humbling us, removing everything in us that is unholy, opening us up so we can be open and honest and transparent with you and one another, enabling us to live the free, joyful, peaceful, fruitful new life that Jesus bought for us on the cross. In his name we pray. Amen.